Hello, beautiful people. Ashley Joe here, not to be confused for your amazing host, Ashley Loeb Blassing Game. We are on our second to last week of our midsummer break, and today you're going to be hearing another episode short from season two, episode 39, with Mike McAllister. So Mike is one of Ashley Lowe Blassing Game's great friends, but I personally do not know him. I only know him through his podcast journey, and I picked three clips from his episode, but you are going to have to go back and listen to the full episode because his story is amazing and insane at the same time. So the first clip is a point in the conversation where Ashley and Mike are talking about just that feeling that your skin is too tight. And Mike is talking about how when he drank alcohol as a child, that feeling would go away. You're going to hear a little bit of that discussion between Ashley and Mike. And then you are going to hear a crazy story of how Mike's mother sent him to a place in Mexico for troubled children. And eventually his father showed up to essentially break him out of this place. And the last piece that you're going to hear from Mike's episode is when he reached his breaking point and finally got to a place where he was able to be completely honest with himself and completely honest with another human being and how that was kind of the beginning of his amazing recovery journey. So without further ado, season two, episode 39 with Mike McAllister. You know, like you hear... I was born with my skin was too tight. Mm -hmm. It loosened up, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and I just didn't care. Like, I just didn't care uh, about how I felt, you know, something that I experienced was and a lot of people talk about is like, I didn't know how anxious I was until I wasn't like I didn't like yeah. I didn't know how much I needed that drink until I had it. Yeah. right? Because I didn't I had never experienced the other side of relaxation of like, you know, my skin not being too tight. Yeah. And like or did so did you have that experience or did you kind of know that you were uncomfortable no well, what i knew was is i felt i wasn't angry right you know okay. i wasn't like i didn't just didn't feel wound up like a pressure cooker as a kid you know yeah. and i was like i knew i'm like so this is what they've been hiding from me i'm okay. going to do this the rest of my life you right. know and i didn't under, and i even growing even after that i didn't i couldn't understand how people didn't do it every day yeah like i it just didn't make sense to me right do you remember the first time that you were angry? Like, do you remember, Do you, can you recall the first time you're like, I'm angry? Like as a young child? Yeah. Uh, all the time. Like, I don't remember the knowing, the, even be able to identify that yeah, was yeah, a feeling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would get, you know, I'd get in trouble and I would just like rage, you know, and then I would go in the bedroom and when it, here, so here's, here's should have been a red flag, right? I would get locked up, my, go to my bedroom and I would hyper, make myself hyper, hyperventilate <laughs> and I would hold my breath until I pass out. And yeah. then I would come to and I would just be like, I would feel like that tingling sensation. Yep. And I'm like, this is amazing. You know, and like, that's how I figured out how to calm myself down. So dad shows up, you, it, he says, run out when you see the headlights, 11 o'clock. Yeah, 11 o'clock. Okay. So that's what I did. I mean, I was full speed, Oof, full I speed down this, uh, down this dirt, long dirt driveway. And it's like the long, quarter mile is not I mean, that long. I you couldn't even breathe, like laying down, going to bed. You're just like. Oh, no, I couldn't. Oh. And I was like, all I got to do is get to the road. You know, like it's right. no longer me right. against Tunnel vision. these guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I got some backup finally. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, 
So we get out there and we get to the road and the guys are behind me. They're probably 15, 20 feet. Okay, so that's they're, what, they're on my tail. They're running. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so you went by yourself or someone else came with you? No, to, just me. Just you. Okay. So you run out. Yeah, I didn't say anything to anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was I was running out and we get all the way to the road and my dad gets out of the truck and these guys are like, yeah, 15, 20 feet behind me. And my dad lifts his waistband, pulls a gun out, and points it at these two guys and says, if any of you guys, basically, if any of you guys get on and get any closer, you guys aren't going to live. Come to find out, once we got back to the border, my dad was completely drunk, and he'd been, he'd been high on meth for a few days. So <laughs> Lucky you, not, actually. Yeah, not only was his behavior, like, it was how he is when he gets loaded, yeah. and then sprinkle some meth on that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So yeah. it was, like, a little intense. That's some gangster shit. Um, okay, so he, said, he pulls a gun, in his, and they stop? Oh, yeah, dead in their tracks. Yeah. And they were like, hey, we don't want any trouble. And he was like, well, then we're leaving. Turn around. Yeah, we're leaving. Yeah. And my adrenaline was pumping at the time. Oh, I bet you were you know? so excited. Um, yeah, it's just the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yes. Are you kidding? And, uh, I mean. Not only not only was it like, like an extreme situation. Dad, yeah. But it was like that feeling of like, I got you guys. Like, yeah. I'm in charge now. Yeah. You know? And so we, we ended up turning around. Those guys, those guys left. I think this is when Jack came out. Jack hadn't come out yet. So when we turned around, we were on this like janky road. Yeah. And while we were turning around, the ass in, like my, the rear axle went down in this ditch and the guy's oh, truck stuck. No. And I'm just like, oh no, like this is it. Oh, they've already called. I'm sure they've got a hold of the, the law enforcement. Oh no. And the, so one of the one of the orphanages that we used to do work for was like two miles down the road. And I'm like, oh, well, hey, I think I, I know where to get some help, right? So we walked all the way to Sorge. You had time to do this? They, we were like, so this mile, the road that goes into the yeah. place is probably 15 miles long. Oh, okay. okay. So we were already probably three or four miles okay, down okay. the road. Okay, okay. Um, they couldn't see. They yeah. were probably back at the ranch trying to figure out what, what we're going to do. do. Yeah. This kid just got out of here, right? Yeah. And uh, so we walked like two miles to the uh, orphanage, and I don't remember the guy's name. And I'm like, hey, I'm here. Jack sent me over here, and my dad was with me that this guy had never seen. And I don't know why he didn't ask any questions. I'm like, hey, Jack sent me down here. This guy got his truck stuck. You think you could help? I knew they had a big van, right? I'm like, hey, you think you could help tow us out? And he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. You know, and my dad speaks fluent Spanish, uh, being a painter for all those years, like he learned language. And uh, so we go down and they tow us out. And as he's towing us out, the guy Jack and those two guys show back up. And they were talking in Spanish to each other. Hey, don't you help these people? This is so. And that's when the gun came out again. And the guy was basically put in a position where you're pulling the truck out or all of you guys or walking away and um, pulled us out and then we drove all the way. So at gun- he pulled us you out at gunpoint. Yeah, there was like no option. Like we're either taking your van or you're pulling the truck out. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I, I'm getting like excited talking yeah, yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we drove all the way back to the border and um, we found like there was like the, the first uh, fast food place where it was. Yeah. And we slept. We got back to the, the border in, early in the morning. It was like sun was just coming up. Yeah. And we both slept. We slept till like three in the afternoon yeah. in the truck. He probably needed a nap for sure. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I was just exhausted. You get a drilling spike like oh, that. Yeah, and those living conditions, oh, like yeah. I was done. And um, Yeah, I mean, it's amazing you were able to like, yeah, adrenaline is an amazing, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. So you stopped before the border? Like you, you No, s- no. No, we, oh, as soon as we got across the border. Oh, across the border. Okay. Yeah, I was back like, we were in like kidding San me? Diego. Okay, okay. No. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and then from there we went to uh, my grandpa's house. And by this time, so come to find out, mom wasn't even home. Mom was out of town, like on vacation. And my dad's like alcoholism had progressed to where he was full tweaker, full alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gnarly, you know, gnarly lifestyle. Yeah. And so, like, that's what I had to go back to. And my attitude, so, and that. that so you were, how old? You're so I was 14. 14. Yeah. yeah. 
And so that experience, that Mexico experience, not only was I like, so I grew up in a religious home, right? I do, like, there's definitely, I agree with a lot of um, organized, the moral structure of organized mm-hmm. religion, yeah, yeah. right? Definitely makes it, I had, it had a big effect on me. But my, my feeling towards God when I got out of that place oh. was there was no God, right? And this God that was shoved down my throat there, if that's the God that treats people like this, then I don't want nothing to do with it. Yeah. And I was, the anger was more than ever. Oh, gosh. Um, the only, that, like, sense of abandonment. Oh, I can't even From being imagine. dropped down there. And and you must have, like, it's, what's interesting is that you had this break and dad was out of your life and mom was the, like, savior parent. Yeah. And then mom does this and now dad's the savior parent, even as dysfunctional as he is, like, he's the one that showed up. Yeah. And, you know, he was... In a serious way. Yeah. And I'm sure some of that was, like, obviously vengeful towards my mom as far as custody goes. Sure. You know, like that was the motivation. Sure. Um, but but at the end of the day, he showed up at and held people at gunpoint to get you out of Mexico. Yeah. And I, you know, yeah. that had to have had an effect. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a crazy experience. And I was like, I'd come to terms with like, okay, I can't drink because I'll, I get high. I'm, I'll go get meth. And when I get on meth, I get in trouble. Right, right. So if I could just smoke pot, if right. I could just smoke weed right. and get my hands on these animal animal med- medication, like I could go through life like that, right, right? Right, right? And so from like June, June or July to November, that's what I did, right? And by the that that those few months, by the end of that, like I was gonna put a pistol in my mouth. Like I was I could not do life anymore. Why I, what was why why did you want to die? Like what do you I couldn't I knew the consequences of the drugs and alcohol, right, of my behavior on that, right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I, I hurt people physically, emotionally, right? I just destroy people's lives, whether I want to or not. Like, that's my behavior. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't do that anymore, and I couldn't go on, like, with how I, how I was living. It just wasn't good enough anymore. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't get high enough yeah. to feel okay, Yeah, you know? Stopped um, working. Stopped working. And... Uh, and for whatever reason, I was like at my mom's house, you know, back at mom's house. Uh, and I was in my brother's bathroom and I was smoking like my last bowl, blowing it out the window. And I just remember like I just had like this like feeling of like desperation and willingness to be like, OK, I'll give it one more one more shot. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care about the the guy who wears the leather shoes with no socks. Right. Like he'll eventually get his life together and start wearing socks. <laughs> But that can't be a reason I'm right. not going to. Right, right, Like, I'm going around judging all these people, but, like, I'm smoking weed in my mom's bathroom. Yeah, they're laughing, right? They're right. smiling. They're going, they're, like, have, they're living good lives. They're doing things, right. right? And supposedly they think like I think. You know, right. I'm willing to be like, okay. Yeah. And a couple years prior to that, I had been in a, a, a sober living, right? And the guy next to me, this is, like, when I started getting loaded. I was still living in a sober living when I first met him. The guy living next to me. It's still sober. Uh, I, I mean, he's a good, good friend of me. But I would be in like one room smoking meth at the sober living house before I got kicked out. And he was like getting a job and like doing things, right? right so, right. and when I saw that he was still around, I was like, well, shit, like maybe you know, I know him. Yeah, yeah. I could hang out with him. Yeah. And so there was a birthday party. Uh, there was like a one year birthday party right at a, one of our friends' houses. And I showed up there. I had no, it was like day one. I had nowhere else to go. And I showed up to like just, be a, a part, just be around, right? Just, I didn't, it was either like go get loaded or, or be here, get here or with shoot myself. People. You're right, you know? right. And I came in, I started talking to this guy, Chris, and uh, we started talking. And uh, he was like, hey, you know, I need to go use the bathroom. So we went up into the apartment 
and we started talking and like, I just like broke down. Right. And you know, Chris, uh, tattooed from the neck down to the fingertips, mm-hmm. like just to kind of like a dude who I would never show emotion in front of, yeah. you know? And I broke down and I cried like, I cried like a little baby. And, uh, and I said, look, dude, like I'm going to die. I can't live this way anymore. Like I need some help. And it was, he was like, he was there for me, you know? And I called that guy, I called him every day. And like, I was, he was the first guy I could get honest with, you know? And what we, was his reaction to you crying? Right. Was he like, he didn't care. He didn't he give was a just shit. Loving and yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like he understood, right. I, I could tell he understood the pain, you yeah. know? And I was, he was the first guy I was able to get honest to. And one of the, this was like the, a turning point where when I was able to be honest with another man with similar, in a similar situation, right. Who parties the way I party, they have similar stories. Right. And so I would, it would, there would be like this exchange, you know, where I would open up a little bit and then he would tell me something. Right. And then I would open up and it was like healing to know that I wasn't alone, yeah. you know? So those are just a few of the amazing clips from Mike McAllister's episode. You'll want to go back and listen to the entire thing if you haven't heard it already. Season 2, episode 39 with Mike McAllister. He gets a lot more into his anger and rage that he experienced during his episode. And then at the end, he talks about sobriety and recovery in marriage as well. So if you sat listening today and heard some of those clips and maybe you have reached a breaking point or a point where you just want to do something different with your life, I highly encourage you to go to lionrock.life, click on meetings and consider joining an online support group meeting today. They have everything on the platform from Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, 12-step meetings, to alternative recovery meetings. There truly is something for everybody on lionrock.life. And that is all we have for you today. We will be back at you next week with our final episode short during our mid-summer break. We'll see you then. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life. Lionrock.life is a recovery community offering free online support group meetings, useful recovery information, and entertainment. Visit www.lionrock.life to view the meeting schedule and find additional resources. Find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life.